Uh, okay, so we are good. Everybody's ready. Why not? Okay, wonderful. So with that, hi and welcome to the hype. With me as always, Brian and John. Howdy doody. Uh, today we are joined by Chewy. Hi. Uh, and then for the first time since our Christmas episode, right? Oh for God. Sure. We have Hunter on. What's up? Uh, and then for the first time ever, we have Donica on. Hello. <laughs> He's from the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Donica is on via um, a company that we don't have the right to say the name. So, but it, it was is one of those internet telephone companies. It was heavily promoted in the Ninja Turtles film. It was. Uh, if you can guess what it is, you win nothing. But you pretty much can guess what it is. Flight. Yep, it is definitely Flight. Nice. <laughs> nice. I like that service. Ah, good old Flight. Uh, okay, so we'll get started with uh, where have you been doing. I will go first. I've been playing the shit out of Batman Arkham Knight. Alright. I am near finished with it. Are I, you sure? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty close. I've finished every single side mission so far, except for the Riddlers, which I'm working on. I've never actually collected all the Riddler trophies before, but this time I feel like I'm going to do it. There's too many. Yeah, there definitely is, and it's annoying as hell, but I still feel like I need to do it. There's 243, right? Yes, 243. That's your Why in God's name are there 243 of these things? That I completely agree. It's annoying as hell. But you, if you don't find them all, then you don't get the actual ending of the game, which is very, very frustrating. But with the exception of constantly searching for Riddler trophies, the game's been phenomenal. Nice. Uh, I want to play it. Yeah, the more I've kind of gotten into it, the more I've... like. It, at first, I'm like, well, I mean, Arkham Asylum's always going to be the best one. And then the more I've gotten into this one, now this one's much better. And yeah, it's annoying how much they shove the card on your throat, but you get used to it pretty quick. I like it. I'd recommend it. Nice. Well, I mean, I'll let you know after I found all the Riddler trophies if I'm still enjoying this fucking game. <laughs> after the last Riddler trophy, you're like, I hate this game. <laughs> it's terrible. Riddler's stupid. Uh, yeah. Uh, but that's it for me. I'll move on. All right. Uh, for me, uh, we haven't seen any new movies this week. Other than You've just... seen some new movies that you'd never seen before. That's true. You did make me watch Last of the Mohicans. I did make And then watch. I made him watch Hot Shots Part 2, and he did Ugh. not enjoy it. Oh, that's a classic. So which one are you going to use? Thank you. No, uh, Last of the Mohicans is the classic. <laughs> yeah, that's, true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That is true. Oh, my God. But I'd like to talk about the fact that we're re-watching all of Seinfeld. Oh, there you go. Oh. Uh, and I wasn't... I mean, I enjoyed Seinfeld when it was on, but I wasn't an avid, like, fan. I was too young, I guess. I wasn't, you know, I couldn't relate to half the things they were doing. But now it's like, okay, yeah, I can see some of these struggles. But you're all still rather idiotic and terrible people. It's pretty dated, too. Like, there's a lot of cords dated. attached to phones. <laughs> but that's actually fun. It's fun to look at the pre-cell phone era. And I also, for me in the art department-wise, I'm really enjoying the pre-HDTV uh, art department stuff. Nice. I'm like, yeah. Like, some of this stuff, I'm like, you didn't think anyone was going to see that. While you're watching <laughs> it that going through the whole season you should actually there's a twitter account i forget what it's called but they basically write up log lines for modern seinfeld episode mm -hmm. synopsis i think it's just called modern day seinfeld modern day seinfeld yeah it is hilarious I'd it, watch it that. is really funny and it's true to the show like in terms of its tone and all yeah. that so check that out while you're watching the show it should but like i posted a photo to the art department page i belong to on facebook of just uh, elaine and jerry walking by a sign that Obviously, it's Coca-Cola, but they they got rid of the C's on them, so then it just says, Oka Allah. Nice. <laughs> but, and it's not even, it's pretty similar red, it's not a perfect red, so you can still kind of see the C's, so it's just like, this is definitely pre-HDTV, so, 
no one would have noticed this back in the 90s, but this yeah. is glaring on my TV now, and everyone's kind of really Nobody has it. good TVs today. <laughs> <laughs> That'll never change. <laughs> and it's just, I've been seeing a lot of stuff like that on the show, and just noticing how much they actually pushed Minute Maid. I never clued into that before. Oh, Minute Maid is so good. Oh, I love Minute Maid. <laughs> they Minute really pushed Minute Maid <laughs> Jerry loves show. his Minute Maid. Yeah. <laughs> he always has like four cartons of Minute Maid in It his is fridge. fridge. Like, whenever they open the fridge, it's Minute Maid. It's just, it's fun. I like rewatching shows like this. All right, so this is a slight confession on my part. I just started watching Game of Thrones. Like okay. the first season? Like the the show. And I'm midway nice. through mm. season 4. Oh wow. Right you started now. at season 4? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> so that's that's oh, what's sorry. been occupying all of my time lately. And it's so freaking good. It yeah. really is, isn't my it? My buddy just gave me his HBO uh, HBO Go account like a two weeks ago and I'm just a good friend (laughs) plowing through it lots of sex lots of death lots of sex lots lots of of realizing I don't want to live in Westeros (laughs) no no, that first season was very uh, a lot of uh, exposition by way of sex scene Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of it so you see how Westeros works wow they're eating each other out (laughs) flap 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 continue with the scene yeah but the the thing that I dig about it is that there's not really a good guy I'm not really rooting for anybody no, you end up, I, I think you kind of end up rooting for people. You just yeah. kind of start ignoring the bad parts. It's like, well, I want this guy to win. Why? Because I like these aspects. Yeah. Just ignore yeah. those horrible they're aspects. They're good guys, but, you know, they, they die. Yeah, yeah. yeah the good yeah, guys are true. mostly dead. Like, Brian yeah. and I actually argue, because a lot of time I actually kind of feel for Cersei a little bit. Yeah, I hate her. And he hates her. Yeah, and then I hate, hate uh, I hate Theon, and he's always about Theon. Theon. Team Theon. He's yeah. Theon is a great actor too. That yeah, is. but he's a terrible person. Was it Alfie Allen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is a pretty terrible person. It'll, I'm not sure his name, but it's Alfie Allen. At least when Cersei's doing something, she knows she's doing something wrong. She just doesn't care. Theon is just kind of grasping at straws all the time. Cersei's but I think that worst. makes him better because he's trying. Mm. Cersei, Cersei just doesn't give a fuck. Cersei's a woman trying to live in a male-dominated society. Mm. And she's been fucked a lot. Literally and not literally. Yeah, by people who are related to her because she chooses to fuck people that are related to her. Don't like Cersei. <laughs> yeah, and Theon stole John Wick's car. <laughs> <laughs> he did! He did! He didn't know who he was robbing! Are you there? Hi, can you hear me? There oh, we go. go. Alright, well, I thought that you could have. Alright. Alright, something that I've done like the last week. Well, I saw the movie Maggie. Oh, how was that? Schwarzenegger movie. It was decent. I liked him in it. He's kind of settled into this whole kind of like haggard John Wayne type role now. But um, what I thought was interesting about it is that as soon as I mentioned anything about it on Facebook, and this is the weird thing about like having friends in Hollywood and such like that, it's like... As soon as I post something about it, one of my friends comments on saying like, Hey, and he tags the writer of the movie in it. <laughs> because I guess the two of them are mates, and I'm just like, Well, now I can't say anything about this anymore. Nice. <laughs> I liked it. That's Maggie, funny. there are no words. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, the movie I saw this past week, apart from the one we're going to discuss, is Under the Skin. Oh. Yeah. I decided to give that one a try. I fucking love that movie. And I wasn't sure I was going to like it, just because it just, having heard, seen, like, only heard a couple people talk about it and kind of kept relatively low-key on it, didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And I really liked it. It's fucking great. It does a lot of things that, you know, that I rave about in Hannibal. Like, the slow, plotting, like, 
thoughtful, very meticulous. Mm -hmm. And this just takes out all the dialogue, essentially, which is... Well, there's... There's some, but... There's really... They didn't write a script until you get to the cabin. Yeah, yeah. The and even then, all, all, the, all of it's just inconsequential. It's just yeah. basic, basic talk. Mm-hmm. And it's just all shown through... I don't know. I, there's a lot I liked about it. And I actually wiki, wikipedia the uh, source material after watching the movie. I do this a lot for horror and or existential movies. And I think they made some very right decisions making the movie the way they did. Because the, the book sounds really convoluted. Uh, I didn't even know it was a book. Yeah, it was a book before, and it gets way specific. Way specific down to the details of why they're being harvested and all this other stuff that just... No, that's not the point. The point hmm. is just, just this journey, kind of this moment. And hmm. I... Yeah. It's interesting. I think they really adapted it well. If, yeah. if, if everything is as Wikipedia says. I think this yeah, is the... this thing was supposed to have been, like, adapted a million times beforehand. At one point, Brad Pitt was going to be in it. Really? Huh. Yeah. You know that one, like, protect, watchful protector, the guy on the bike? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alright, uh, he originally had a much larger role, and there was more dialogue and things like that. And the way that they were describing the book that, I mean, the movie that Brad Pitt might have been in, I'm just thinking... Oh, so this is the movie I Am Number 4. <laughs> Did any of you see I Am Number 4? I remember that movie mm-hmm. happened, but it looked terrible. It was it was terrible. But yeah, no, like the the, the, vice, the motorcycle guy, it was great that they made his role such a mystery. Because yeah. again, it actually made me go research the movie. Like, I like Daddy. movies that can kind of do that. Are we good to move on for the movie of the day? We are good to move on. Let's do it. Uh, all right, so today's movie, if we have not mentioned it, I think we have. Have we? Maybe not. Is The Babadook. Babadook. Duck, duck. Babadook. Oh, that is so much creepier coming from the computer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so uh, creepy coming from flight. Babadook <laughs> <laughs> uh, It was a... It did well, basically... What's YouTube video that just appeared? <laughs> Uh, this movie made fucking nothing over here. It made $950,000. Uh, and all of that came from CineFamily here in LA. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it made $3 million, uh, foreign. And all this is foreign, I'm guessing that's basically just Australia. Uh, and so it brought its grand total to $4.8 million. I can't imagine they spent much more than that on this. I know I, the... I think the budget was like two. Yeah, that sounds about right. It was I know, a big set. Yeah, they built the whole set. Like, the house was just one big set. But other than that, I don't think they really spent a lot of money anywhere. Yeah. I, I, I heard that they raised partial funds on Kickstarter, too, to help finish the set. Huh. Which is kind of crazy. That's kind of cool. Uh, the review for today comes from Metacritic, from user Driz1114. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's the full username? What's up, Driz? That's the full username. So, Driz, I'm calling you out. Uh... I just watched this movie. I was rooting for The Babadook, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I'll give the lead actress, lead actress kudos, but the storyline was awful. I will be calling DirecTV to get my money back. Nice. I would absolutely love it if you could get money back just because you didn't like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like that. I, I imagine that conversation to DirecTV. Oh, yeah? DirecTV? I need my money back? <laughs> just watch you know, you're going to get the one DirecTV guy who looks like saying, like, are you kidding me? The art direction in that movie was meticulous. <laughs> it was. Which we did. will talk about. He probably did end up getting his money back, too, if you raise a big enough stink. I really hope not. I, I hope, hope they not. just gave him, like, a, well, we'll let you run a different movie. Yeah. We're not going to give you money. I hope but... he just wrote this review and went to bed and forgot about it. 
<laughs> a month later, oh crap! <laughs> Put my Babadook money! <laughs> he just keeps calling and calling and calling. <laughs> you can't get rid of him. <laughs> Art becomes oh. life. You can't get rid of the customers. <laughs> just keeps he, this guy on the phone just keeps hearing the knocking and he's just like. Uh, Alright, so we're moving to the breakdown. Uh, I'm going to make Donica do it. So you're going to get a whopping 45 seconds to break down the entire movie. Think it can be done? I suppose so. Okay. Go. Uh, Yeah, this uh, young widow, played by Essie Davis, and her husband died in a car crash six years ago, bringing her to the hospital to have her their first child. So the husband dies hours before he's supposed to become a father. Oh my goodness. Cut to six years later, and the little Samuel, as we are constantly pointed out, that is his name. He is kind of a little terror, behavioural problems and all sorts of issues, very close to the mom, who has to go and calm him down by reading books at night. At one point, a book just magically appears. I'm serious, this thing has no explanation, filled with scary images, and it just gets worse and worse. So from that reading of that book... There's your 45 seconds, Jonica. Your 45 seconds are up. It was a valiant effort, but... I really also hate doing this. I, I got 30 seconds last week, and I didn't... I... People have Wikipedia at home, it's okay. <laughs> uh, so if you don't finish within the 45 seconds, it is my job as host to make fun of you. Um, so the way I'm going to make fun of you today is that it appears your basement could use some cleaning up. Um, that makes no sense to anyone listening, but if you're here and watching the Donica screen, you'd be able to see that his basement could use some cleaning up. Although, granted, it does look rather tidy. It does look rather shelves, tidy. But whatever. Ooh, <laughs> sure. Sick burn. Uh, okay, so where do we want to start on this? Let's start with the thing we mentioned earlier, the art direction. And start right with the art? Start, start, uh, start off with a bang. They knew how to create atmosphere in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, That's amazingly. That's why I don't talk about German movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, almost to a point. I mean, didn't she... Isn't this the one who studied down to Lars Van Trier? Yeah. Yeah. Jennifer, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she knows who to copy to get atmosphere. Yeah. She went to the right place. But they did it in such a way that it, it felt natural. Like it just felt like a depressed person decorated this house. Yeah, but I think they did. Uh, I mean, they mentioned this in the special features if you watch it, but I think they did a really good job with it, where they try to make it uh, realistic, but also like if it was in a storybook. Like you yeah. can see that like, the house didn't look like a real house to me, but never to a point. Or it took me out of it. Like, it looked... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it looked kind of, like, heightened in a weird sort of, like, storybooky, yeah. fairy tale way. For me, it just felt like their emotions were absorbed into the walls. Like, that's how I could feel. Like, when I was watching the movie, I just felt like the house was a complete reflection of their emotions. Yeah. And it kind of even looks like the, you know, the storybook itself, it, it looks like that. Like, mm-hmm. the... It looks like you're in this storybook, which is yeah. which is uh, which is gnarly. I mean, and and I love the the transformation that the house makes too, because like as the story progresses, like it gets darker and yep. you know sh- shadows are used more, and and the house really becomes like not a house anymore, like a a prison almost. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
It was a really good, like, kind of becoming German expressionistic, but not, you know, going all the way, because you'd probably lose a lot of people. And I think it served the story really well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. The the house is almost a character in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it has so much just, like, personality and everything. Like, it feels so important <clears throat> to everything in the film. And they do a good job kind of going almost, like, almost a little Shining-esque, where, like, the the map of the house doesn't really make sense at yeah. all times. And it's they do a really good job trying to... It really keeps you on your toes. It's, you can kind of feel it out, but it kind of feels like the whole movie's a hallway at times, and other times it feels like it's a big lived-in house, and it just kind of... I, I like the way that they did that. And I feel well, like they, it was intentional. And they do it in a way that you don't feel geographically lost on a frame-for-frame -frame basis. Yeah. Because there's that, that danger of, like, getting just lost in the geography of where they are in the moment. Mm -hmm. And this movie balances that between, yeah with all the places not making sense in the house. You put the blueprints together, it's like, this doesn't work. Yeah. Very, very, like you said, shining S, but they don't lose you in the moment either. Yeah. Which just looks so hard to do. Yeah, it was a... The fact that they are able to balance it, especially, I mean, this is her first time directing, isn't it? Yeah, first feature. Yeah, that's fucking impressive. First feature, yeah. yeah. I mean, we watched her short monster that she bases off of, and it's, uh, it's very interesting. If you get a chance to watch it, it's really interesting seeing what she pulled from monster and what she didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, there's something else art direction-wise that I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about the actual thing yet, but I want to right. talk about just the design of the Babadook. Mm -hmm. But for right now, just because we're talking art direction, I think the actual design of the thing, I think it was perfect. It was. It, yeah, creepy for sure. Yeah, it yeah. was a male character. You definitely got the impression that it was male. Yes. And well, they, they call him Mr. Babadook. Yeah. yeah the Mr. kind of gives it away. Never. Never. <laughs> but like in the design of him, and it's... And she talks about how he's a stalker, and he just kind of dressed like a traditional stalker. Kind of Freddy Krueger, yeah. yeah. Where he looks, he's very covered, and he's hiding his appearance, which they even mention in the book of once you actually see what's underneath, you'll wish you'd never had. Like, he's like wrapped up in mystery. Yeah. It also does a very interesting kind of blend of kind of <clears throat> classical tropes, but then some modern creepypasta that you might see online. You could actually see a, a, an online kind of on the internet creating something like this. Yeah. It has a very, like, I don't want to put the comparison to Slenderman because that's different, but that was born out of, like, just the ethos. <laughs> the ethos. Yeah. The ether here. And just, he feels this way. He feels built kind of that way. Yeah, yeah and I, I like the way it, the built is a good word for it because it definitely feels like, like, what were, like, your internal thoughts would, like, find the creepiest sort of thing. And this feels like, to her, this would be the scariest thing she could mm -hmm. possibly see. Especially, like, the first time she sees it where it's, like, across the way in the neighbor's uh, kitchen or living room, whatever that is, like, it's terrifying. Like, it's, Yeah. And just the general look of it. Like, whenever you see it, because you don't really ever get a good look at it until you're watching, like, the George, um... The fuck is his name? Old school director. Oh. When she's Millier's. watching television. Millier's, thank you. Yeah. But when she's watching like, the George Millier's movies, that's really the only time you get an actual look at mm -hmm. the thing. And even then, it doesn't feel like a full representation of it. It kind of feels like a... It's what you would project onto what you were just watching. Yeah, it's it that version of yeah, it. Yeah, it kind yeah. of feels like if George Melies made a Babadook in his films, this is what it would look like. So it kind of feels like I don't think we're actually seeing the Babadook in those scenes. Um, but that's the closest look we'd ever get at it. Um, yeah, and it moves very quickly too, which is I love its movement. Like just yeah. that it doesn't. You never really see it walking, or it just kind of like shifts. Like yeah. Which is super creepy. I don't know. And it's always kind of, yeah, just a little bit off to the side. A yeah. little bit kind of like, did I just see what I thought I saw? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is, the internet's been very good at making that kind of horror. Just like this, am I sure what, what I saw? Yeah. And it, that's really a strength in this. 
Well, it's, it's one of those things where you're just tying in, like, aspects and characteristics of, characteristics of things that people find frightening. And, like, everything you guys just described is a lot like a spider. And then mm-hmm. that also works into the how his hands, but they're, they're kind of claw-like, but then they're also not. They look like gloves, but then they kind of look like a spider's legs at the same time because they're kind of shiny. Yeah, it's definitely a blend of, of all sorts of different horrible things because it's yeah. kind of a man. It's dressed in clothes, but it's kind of got a furry face and gnarly claws. Like, you don't really know what it is. Yeah. yeah. And then and that's great and because it is just the embodiment of her fears and her stress. And it makes you obsessed. So that's one mm-hmm. key that I think helps this movie along, too, is that you don't know what it is, but you're almost on this verge of obsessed to finding out. Mm-hmm. Well, like, it, it's a like, it's a weird thing that I love in horror. Where it's like there's just enough to make you like, what is that? I can't stand it. I hate it. What is it? I'm well, scared of it. It's a good thing where a, a bad horror movie will make you go, and not necessarily a bad one, but like a, a horror movie, a lot of times will make you go, what is it? I don't want to see it, and you look away. And I think the Babadook does a good job of making you go, what is it? I need to see it. So it's kind of like with the character in the movie being as on the nose and cheesy as I can. It makes her face her fears, just like it makes the viewer want to see what it is. Yeah. And I think that's a really impressive thing that they pulled off. Um, but I guess since we're talking about the Babadook, we can just keep talking about the Babadook and see what people think it was. <laughs> Which usually we just talk about filmmaking on like the podcast. Like what it actually I, was or what Yeah, it I think it'd be interesting to kind of... Because, I mean, if you watch special features, Jennifer Kent, right? Uh, she talks about how at the end of the film, she's like, she really wanted to make sure that people had their own take. Like, was it... A supernatural beast that she basically called to with her depression and rage and whatnot. Was it just psychological? Like, was it ever actually a thing? Was her kid just kind of nuts? Like, what was it? So I kind of want to take a poll of the people here and see what they think it was. Because I think it's kind of interesting. I like movies that have that open sort of feel to it. So on my first viewing of it, as soon as it ended, I went to, you know, Google and mm-hmm. read reviews. And, and literally, I think I even Googled, like, is the Babadook real or something, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Um, my the first impression that I had is that it was an entity that existed, you know, in this place with these people, um, that was released by, via this psychological trauma. Right. Um. So I do think that it was. I mean, and maybe that maybe this is just because uh because I like the Babadook and I want it to be real. <laughs> yeah, I want the Babadook to, to terrorize other people. Yeah. I think I think that it was definitely a real creature that. Yeah. that existed and wreaked, wreaked havoc on these people. Okay. And then I, I took it as kind of the opposite of that. It wasn't real. It is the mother. You know, kind of this very, yeah. it's a very parent thing. Mm-hmm. And being a parent myself, there was a lot of ties that made this movie also uncomfortable to watch, but also <laughs> really like, you're like, okay, I can, I see this. He's not real. The Babadook's not real. That's just the scary, the scariness of the mother kind of losing it, losing herself and becoming the monster. She's dealing, she's seeing what her child sees in her sort of thing. Like there's a lot of, of that, so I, I don't find him to be real. It's more symbolic of the mother. Okay, Donica, what do you think? I was saying that the Babadook was a manifestation of grief. Yeah. And it's just that everything about the way that she's carrying on is all based out of denial, and the idea being that you can't really suppress any of these feelings for very long because they will go and come to that manifestation. Um, like yeah, it's the not only the grief over. Like, uh, oh, I, uh, let me rephrase. It's not just, like, bad feelings over, like, I am so sick of having to deal with this terrible child or anything like that, but also the constant grief of not coming to terms with that over losing the husband, Oscar, I think his name. That sounds right. 
Uh, it's she hasn't really dealt with this head on, but six years. She still has bad dreams about it. She won't let anyone talk about it. She won't let people say his name. Um, when they're talking about him, like stop talk, stop talking about him. You and don't try not to make me deal with this, basically. So the Babadook is a manifestation of the fact that she is she's never come to terms with the fact of grieving, and now you can't just lock it away in the basement because that's where she's got all of this stuff and everything. Yeah, I'm not very good at articulating things, but that's <laughs> you're actually doing better than you think you are. Okay. Um, all right, so for well, oh, go ahead, sure. Well, I was gonna say for me, like for me, it can exist in the two different planes: one, whether or not it's a reflection of just her emotions, or two, if it's a real object. Because it, to me, if it's a real entity beyond her, like, emotions, like Donago was saying, I think it would be, like, a fallen angel that became a demon, essentially. Mm-hmm. Because it was just, like, this creature that probably goes around the planet seeking out souls, per se, of, like, ch- of children, and just trying to find ones that it could take easily. And he probably honed in on the mom, thinking, this woman hates her son. I could probably get this kid. So then he's torturing her and everything. And he says, give me the boy, I'll leave you alone. Mm-hmm. Give me the boy. She almost does it. She really almost, he possesses her and she almost does it. But then she fights back because motherly love or whatever. <laughs> Even though I really hated this kid, I probably would have just said, take him. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't, if we talk about the actors, I did not like this kid. We'll, we'll no. get there. <laughs> yeah. uh, I agree with that. I, I agree. He's awesome for the role. But that made me hate him because his screaming was just so aggravating. Um... And then, like, at the end, when you're about to actually see him, when she confronts him head-on, all you're seeing of him is this dark void with these things that almost look wing-like, just kind of slowly spreading out. Yeah. And then, you know, she confronts him and banishes him to the basement. basement, And then she takes care of him, which, if you're a fallen angel or whatnot, if you read any scripture and things like that, a lot of them kind of feel bad that they're in this predicament, but God won't let them back up. So now he has, like, this thing to care for him in his own remorse, because he's fallen. Hmm. That's an interesting theory. So much better than what mine. I should have gone first. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely should have gone before. Now, to follow up that. Now, here's my shitty one. Um, Here's my Kmart version. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mine's kind of, like, a mixture between what Hunter and Donica said. Uh, I do think that it's definitely a real entity. I don't think that it's just um, like psychological, but I do think that it was, I do think it 100% came from her. So I think it is just, I think it is essentially kind of what, like what Donica was saying, it's her, her, basically her grief turned into this. Like she didn't deal with it so long that it basically kind of became its own thing and became something that will physically attack her. Like it's been ignored for so long that it's kind of like a, an angry two-year-old was like, fucking pay attention to me. Mm. and it does it in the biggest way possible and then I like the way that because I think and part of the reason I love this movie so much is I think it's one of the best movies ever dealt with the subject of grief and not dealing with it and it's part of the reason why I think this movie will stand the test of time as long as I think it will um, but by having it so in her face and she can't ignore it anymore she eventually does have to deal with her grief but then much like with grief you can't really forget it either. Like, it's not just something like once you deal with it, it's just no longer a thing. You kind of have to keep it and feed into it every now and then. So mm-hmm. much like she keeps it in her basement and she literally feeds it. 
So it is a little on the nose, but I think it works. But So that's why I think it definitely is a real thing, but it is also kind of psychological, because if she had dealt with her grief at one point, the Babadook would have never come after them. Mm-hmm. And it is a mystical theme in a lot of texts where if you have such a powerful emotion, it can become an external force. Yeah, but yeah, so that kind of makes sense, right? A little bit? Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, what I like is that all these takes work Yeah. in the context yeah. of the movie, and then they still come to the fact that it all boils down to just not dealing with it. Yeah. They all end up dealing with this theme of just, yeah, you, you deal with it, but it's not a finite thing. Yeah. You're and always going to be dealing with it. But, you know, deal with it. Let it loose. It's like a, you know, a steam cooker. You know, you gotta, let yeah. the, you gotta let the pressure out. But for me, it's, I like that this movie did a good enough job making it open-ended to the point where we can discuss it and not feel like, but none of us felt like we got gypped. Well, it, it's where where they where she intended to end the movie. Like, yeah. here, here's here's the, you know, the final sentence, here's the exclamation, and what do you think? Yeah. You know, this is what it is. Okay, well, I think that's kind of a, a natural place to move on to uh, talk about the actual act- actress. Um, what's her name? Essie... Essie... Essie Davis. Essie Davis. I was saying on this last rewatch that if this was remade in America, she'd be played by Julian Moore, and they'd make her cry even more. It's, yeah, that's yeah. that's not too far off. But, no, I mean, she, she was fantastic, and I don't think that they would even try to remake it. If anything, make a sequel to it. Like, it leaves it so open-ended that you could, like... You could. And that Jennifer ending Kent's is so been pretty. Scary, she's been pretty firm about no sequels. Really? Yeah. None at all? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. You could do Inspired Bys. I mean... Yeah, you could do a spin Do a different like, emotion or something yeah. like that. But, uh, it's, like a, it's like Inside Out, but horror. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, like I think I'd like it more. Um, But, I mean, I, I just... I love that... I mean, when an uh, actress is taking a role like this, I imagine it's got to be something you'd be excited to do because you're playing something that has so many different levels, and mm-hmm. I think that's got to be exciting for her. And she really dove into this thing headfirst. I would just feel bad if you're a method actor, the way this movie would ruin you. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I can't imagine. actually make yourself feel that emotion for so long. Well, I mean, the way that she had to portray just hating her child... Yeah. Like, that is... Like, that was rough. Like, it's rough. Like, I now I've seen the movie almost with, with, ten times. With that undercurrent of... Even with the hate, there's still that... Just love. Absolute it, love. And it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a very... Oh, tough thing. Yeah. It's in the convey... Because it's not tangible. You can't just put it on paper and be like, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And it... The amount of work that she and... Um, wow, my... Jennifer Kent had to put in together just to try to make this... A likable mother... Who blatantly hates her son and tries to kill her son? It makes like that's a tough balance, and I think they both just knocked it out of the park. Like it's it is surprising how good it is. And I th- and I really think it's kind of a trifecta though because the son, uh, this Noah Wiseman who plays this you know kind of disturbed kid, um, there's a really awesome shift I felt in the movie where you start the movie by feeling so bad for this mother and hating, kind of hating this kid. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, you feel so bad for this kid and you kind of hate this mother. Like, yeah. That, that it's really like, they all knock it out of the park and, and it, it's it's so heavily reliant on these two actors that if they if one of them was bad, the movie would have fallen apart. Oh, yeah. And they and both did a really good job as their pretty- characters. I mean, I was about to say, especially for a six-year-old, but even not for a six-year-old. I mean, the fact that he was six, I think, is shocking. They got that good of a performance yeah, out of a six-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was fantastic. 
To the point where Chewie would actually probably murder him if he were to show oh, up in our house. I would be like, you don't talk. <laughs> you scream at once, you're through the window. <laughs> but uh, I, I think uh, the kid was just phenomenal. Like, oh yeah, phenomenal. Like, <sighs> however yeah. much I... However all, much... I can, all I can do is be like, sigh, yes, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> wow. However much I hated the character, because, yeah, he... Everything that... I fear about becoming a mother someday is manifested in that child. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. he does have the redeeming quality that he sticks by his mom and is actually clever. And he knows how to make things and he knows how to stop his mom without actually killing her himself. And and I can really appreciate that about him. I can admire that about that child, but I still don't want that child. My favorite scene is where he's freaking out about the Babadook in the car. Oh, my God. You can't see it, but because of his acting in there, I'm freaking out about that. Like, because it's like, where is it? What is it? What's going on? What's what? Like, it feeds into the parent-child thing so much. See, I just had the, please just, yeah, have a seizure. Okay, you're not talking anymore. Good. All right. (laughs) (laughs) See, no, like, that scene, I think it's, I could argue it's the best scene in the movie. Oh, he did great. For sure. Like, that scene, just, like, he was so good in it. And just, like, screaming, 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 stop. And just that immediate look to the like, oh, shit, that was great. Yeah. Oh, man. Donica, what do you think? Oh, I think he's great. Uh, I like how, um, yeah, I know, I'm really against the grain here. Um, <laughs> not only do I think he's great, but I like the way that they pick and choose certain things. Like, anytime he's in a scene with uh, the mother, um, he's, most of the scenes he has with his mother in it, and... If he's quiet, he's doing something to embarrass her, or or it means that he's up to something and will eventually shock her by the end of the scene. But most of the time, when she's having to deal with him, he is yelling, he is squealing, it is awful. What's great is that he gets the they're rare, but there's these few times where you just get to see him and he's on his own. Like I love him when they've got the scene where he's in the basement and he's practicing magic and he is so composed and self-assured. Like, here, here is the grown-up boy that the mother is really wa- hoping to see, and he's just practicing the magic with him, uh, the way that he's just repeating everything that was on the DVD, mm-hmm. where it's just like, it can be very tricks, that sort of thing. And I like that they've got that one scene because it's later on when he's becoming the one who has to go and basically save his mother from the Babadook kind of thing. It, it doesn't feel like this sort of artificial ending where it's like, okay, this character has just been a whiner the whole time, now has to be absolutely competent and know just what to do. He's just trying to do whatever he's been trying to do throughout the thing, where it's just like, I'm going to save you, mommy. Yeah, no, I... I, That definitely, like, it it definitely comes across. I like that they... it's. I like it when movies lay the groundwork, and this one did a really good job of laying that groundwork, of making the kid... You can see the transition from annoying brat to kid who has to protect his mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, they lay it right in the beginning with, like, I want to protect you, mommy. Like, it's it's there. And it seems absurd when he's saying it at that point. Because, yeah, he's a six-year-old. What is he going to do? Yeah. <sighs> but, yeah, it comes full circle and not in, like, a cheesy or corny way. But they definitely make it work. All right, well, I don't really have much else to talk about this thing other than sound design. So I can move on to that. Oh, unless yeah. there's something. Well, in the movie, too, we could always talk about the rest of the cast. I mean, there are other people in it, but there's not... Those three are really the main three. I mean, you yeah. can talk about the neighbor, and the neighbor was great. 
Yeah, she was she was nice. Um, I thought she did a great job, and I love what she kind of represents for that family. Because, I mean, you can see the whole movie, you basically just kind of get the mother's POV and a little bit of the son's POV. But it's great to have that the neighbor, because you can see that although they're having a tough time right now, that they're definitely very nice, loving people because of how much the neighbor loves them. Mm-hmm. So it does a good job establishing, like, uh, a universe, if you will, of, like, you can see that, like, they get along with them, they joke around with them, she helps raise the kid at times, like, if she's at work. So you can see that they're happy, lovely people. We're just getting this particular glimpse at when things are horrible because it's coming up to the anniversary of his birthday and then her husband's death. Well, in a way, I also think that some of the side characters represent aspects of the mother that she is or isn't. Like, I would say yeah. the neighbor represents stability. Because yeah. she's accepting of her Parkinson's, and she's alone, and she seems okay with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is the, the exact opposite of the mother. And then we have her sister, who openly despises her son, and isn't actually quite about it. God, that seems rough. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so rough. Yeah. It is, but you can see that she's got her own struggles as well. Like, oh, absolutely. She's got her own, like, um, she's a terrible six-year-old, but at the same time, she has learned to deal with all of her issues and it's just not going to take anything from her. Where she's complaining, Mom, I've already got this one. And she's just like, well, now you got twins. Like, they're shopping together. She's got a way of, like, shutting down everything. She's yeah. not going to let her be overcome. But I, another thing I thought was interesting is that there are no other fathers anywhere in the movie either. Like, hmm. uh, we never see the father when they go over to the sister's house. It's true. Yeah, there's only never, one I've male. never yeah. done. There's only ten one times male character. Never picked up on that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that it's. I don't think it's ever even touched upon that there might be a guy in this house at all. It's uh, a. I mean, she mentions that she has a dad, but that's it. At the birthday party for the daughter, I believe that it's only the mothers that are coming over. There's no. There's no dads. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think you're right. Yeah. And, and they're all wearing black. And even that that other that, that one guy is kind of a, a bumbler. Like, there's kind of a, there's kind of this sense of just absent male figure which you could you could you could you know write a paper on that i mean i would give the the bumbler if you will i think he kind of like if you're going for like them representing things that she wish she had he represents hope yeah because he's such like the nice nice guy like he's that but oh it seems out of reach too like there's that kind of this and and maybe bumbler's not the right word but he he seems distant out of reach not quite there you know not tangible enough and that's Almost every male figure, like yeah. in the movie, any male that exists there just doesn't exist or is out of reach. Is he the? He's really the only male actor with a speaking part in the Doctor at one point. And the magician. Oh uh, well, in the, the magician. You yeah, have the guy oh, at the, the guy hospital, the... the school guy that comes to the house, and you have the principal at the school. Yeah, but I mean, he's really the only like character. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. the other ones Pretty are just kind of like set pieces. And all yeah. the characters who are cold, out of reach, or distant. Like there's this interesting kind of sub-layer of just yeah. distant male figures, which. You could yeah, explore. the closest relationship that Samuel has with an adult man is a guy on the TV. Yeah, which explains why he's so obsessed with everything the guy on the TV does. Yeah. Uh, here's a question that I noticed in this film, and maybe somebody here can explain it to me before we move on to the other stuff. Did anyone else pick up when she's sleeping? She wakes up three times and looks at her clock. Did anyone notice this? So when she looks at her clock the first time, it's 7.01. The next time she wakes up, it's 9.02. The next time she wakes up, it's 11.03. Hmm. 
I have no idea what that represents, but I love those those scenes are unbelievable. That's well, how you ask you. Well, it's possible that maybe, a, maybe it's not necessarily a very significant detail. That I know that there is a lot of meticulous detail in the movie, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything has to have a meaning to it. That's very true. Like, I was reading before about, like, all these people were trying to break down the word Babadook. And they were, like, saying, like, well, Baba means father in Indian, and Duke is a knocking noise, so it's the father knocking. And then these mm. are the people saying... Yeah, that, that's cool. Well, Baba Duke is a, is an anagram of a bad book. And really what it comes down to is, yeah. I think this is on Special Features somewhere, Jennifer Kent was just saying, well, Baba Duke, uh, there is the boogeyman-type character in Slavic areas called Baba Roga, that, so I just wanted... It just sounded like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can, if you try hard enough, you can find things in anything. I mean, and again, that's, that's true. That's the great part of this movie and things like this is that it it kind of forces you into this obsessive, almost conspiracy theory level look into all the details because you know that father knocks very interesting. Yeah. it's not yes. what the it's not what the creator initially thought probably, but. The father knocks. Absent fathers. Cool. That's a that's a connective tissue that has some yeah. weight behind it. Has some source to go with. All right. So with there, I'm gonna move on to the sound design. Uh, oh god, the sound design. Yeah. Is so it's so nice. It was uh, if you saw this movie, if you live in Los Angeles and you happen to see it at uh, Cinefamily, uh, the guy who introduces the film, well, he gave you like a ten minute, not ten minute, but a long speech about how great it was that you came to the theater to see it because they put so much work in the sound design. You need to see it with the best speakers possible, and as it's like within the first two minutes of the film, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Like just everything from like the way she scratches her head, and you just get that really deep like, <laughs> and it's just like, uh, and like when he's like hanging the key on the wall, like it all is just so heightened and intense, and it works so well the whole time. Um, and I just liked the sound they had. The underlying kind of you didn't notice it until it was gone sound whenever the book was present oh yeah but like it's very clearly there yeah until they get rid of it off the screen and then it's, and then it's like gone. a smash cut and then out. it almost feels like the screen is breathing for you because yeah. now it's not looking at it anymore like the best example is like when she uh she throws it away for the first time like after she rips it all up you kind of have this weird like it almost kind of sounds like children like and it's the whole time that she's doing it, and then she takes out the garbage, puts it in the garbage, and slams the lid, and then it's just no sound at all. They did it, too, when she was putting it on top of the uh, wardrobe. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it also gives it gives you that feeling, like, if you're in a room with, like, a lot of white noise that's mm -hmm. low enough, and then suddenly it's gone, you suddenly feel wrong. You just that, feel like a weight has been lifted. Well, in one way, but sometimes, for me, it gives me kind of like a, wait, what's different? Something's off, and it gives me a, a brief sense of anxiety. That, yeah. like, there's something that doesn't feel right, and that's what this movie kind of turns to 11 in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, it does a really good job of making you know something's wrong. I need an adult. <laughs> um. Especially when the Babadook is, is present, too, when she's, like, looking for it, and you can hear it kind of scampering around. And yeah. Ee, it's creepy. They, they used the hive sound, but not, like, the stock hive sound. Yeah. They made their own one. Which I really appreciated because yeah. we've heard that underlying B sound so many horror films. It was refreshing to have a different, like, feeling to it. Um, and they also used uh, Godzilla. Really? Mm hmm. Yeah. I think it was Godzilla. It sounded kind of like Godzilla at the end there. It's definitely. Oh, they... yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Was it Godzilla, Donica? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you just said. Uh, 
No, it's like um. Is that there, there's that two moments where it does that shriek, and I'm pretty sure it's original Godzilla. Huh. That'd be interesting. Uh, but you could read into that. Yeah, you definitely could. You could read into it in like either way. This is it. Just all the things that she was ever afraid of in yeah. her entire life. Oh, yeah. how did this work out? Or is it just the sound guy really? Well, likes the, Godzilla. the kid's also watching a lot of TV. All the TV yeah. he watches is resynthesized mm-hmm. back into sound that they deal with. Like, yeah. You're. Yeah, you can read into it, or you can just go. The sound guy really likes Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it was. <laughs> it's probably that. It's kind of yeah. like how Wilhelm scream pops up and everything. Yeah. It's just that's what they like to do. Another <laughs> element that you need in horror is just like the the sound design is telling its own story within yeah. the story, and it's just great to kind of put all those pieces together and connect them just based off of sound alone. Yeah. Like, you could take the image away, listen to this movie, and you'd still get that unease. There's yeah. something mm-hmm. wrong. The patterns, the repetition, it all feeds in. Yeah, absolutely. And not very many horror films do that. What I think is interesting about uh, something with the sound design is that later on when you've got the Babadook has kind of taken control of the mother, how her voice gradually is going down in pitch more and more whenever she is upset. Like, at one point, she's just yelling at the sun, and it's just like this. Oh, like the I am your mother? She's developed a baritone, yes. It's like the Babatug is speaking for her. Now, I'm pretty sure that's to be a sound design thing, because while Essie Davis is very, very talented, not entirely sure, does she have that control of the voice like that? I just thought that was a very interesting touch. Yeah, I agree. I think that's definitely something they had to throw in there, because it it's very clearly slightly supernatural. Mm-hmm. And I think by just pushing it just like just a hair, it gives it that extra bit of creep to it. Where if it's something she could actually do, I don't think it would have sounded as creepy. Yeah, and I think there are, yeah, there are times when the Babadook's voice really speaks through her. Yeah, absolutely. Which, yeah. Like it's creepy as hell. Um, okay, but in the interest of uh, not sitting here all day and talking about this movie, as much as I'd love to, we, we could, should. We could. We really could. I feel like we should move on to the end of this podcast, which starts, of course, with quotes. I can go first for my quote. Please um, do. And I was going to pick a very, like, you know, good to the film quote. Like, speaks about the movie in a good way or something like that. And then I decided, nah, I'm going to go for one that made me chuckle. Because um, <laughs> I like to laugh. It's it's what I like. Um, where did it go? Or did it not save? It probably didn't save. Either way, I remember it. So, it's... After the kid gets uh, gets his cousin all riled up and scared of the Babadook and whatnot, his mom's going to yell at him and he throws the firecracker on the ground and it blows up. And she's yelling at him in the car and going, and where did you get those firecrackers? And he goes, you bought them for me on the internet. And she goes, well, that's the end of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked so annoyed. <laughs> I just like saying that's the end of the internet. It's pretty great. No, that that is awesome. great. No, because it's... Not only is that something that a mother would say, but at the same time, it's the beginning of her cutting off any and all communication with the outside world. That's very true. Yeah. 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 So you see, it feeds the theme. (laughs) I'll go next. Okay. Uh, For me, this is a quote that, to me, is the first time where the boy is actually standing up to his mother. Mm -hmm. And it's such a gut punch. Like, emotionally. Like, you feel the, like, the physical punch that's put on her. Oh, when he yells, He's my father. You don't own him. You won't let me have a dad. Yeah. It's when she's yelling at him to not be in the basement. And it's just, like, him, like, really expressing also his frustrations. And wanting to, you know, 
have a father, whether or not he's physically there or not, to know of his father, and she just will not let it happen. Yeah, she says something like... uh... Well, it's my husband, and he he and shoots he, it back, and he's totally he was right. My yeah, yeah, and he's totally right because he has just as much ownership of that you know relationship dichotomy as she does. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Oh man, quote, huh? Make can I can I just quote Baba? <laughs> you can. <laughs> no, I mean that's that that's like some scary shit, and this this movie. This movie, uh, this movie is really, really scary. And while you don't even see the Babadook on screen a lot, like it's always there. And yeah, when, it is and, such a presence in the yeah, movie. Yeah, and and when you when you hear it speak, and granted, it's only a handful of times in the movie, you know something really, something's not right right now. Yeah. And and you know this is for as a as a big horror fan, this is one of the most like refreshing horror films that I've seen in a really long time. Yeah. Like just. And like we were saying earlier, the Babadook is this presence, this entity that, you know, I'm, I'm heartbroken we're not doing a sequel, but uh. I'm just going to quote the Baba. Baba. <laughs> uh, Donica, do you have a quote? So I already did the whole, like, life could be a wondrous thing, but it be very treacherous. It can be very treacherous. Yeah. That works. That's a work. That's a good line. Uh, I kind of want to watch that DVD. I do too. Is that? Yeah. A, I wonder if they I, shot that for the movie. I, I think they Probably. did, but yeah. it, it's it looked pretty awesome. Yeah, I would yeah. definitely watch that. I'd pay like four bucks for it. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd pay a couple bucks. Yeah, I'd watch it. All right, uh, so I'll do my quote. Just it's pretty on the nose, like this <laughs> movie is, where she mentioned, where the mother Amelia mentions, "I have moved on. I don't mention him. I don't talk about him in regards to the the father." Right, and just like that is kind of the linchpin of it. She hasn't moved on. Yeah, she says it. Yeah. If yeah, you, just because you don't mention him does not mean you moved on. And right. it actually shows more so that you have it because if you can't even talk about it, then well, it, you it, can't. Your emotions aren't. Yeah. And yeah. The sentence is. I mean, it's, she's basically saying one thing and contradicting it the next two sentences after, yeah. and it's very obvious on the nose, yeah. which I appreciate because it, it works in this instance. Um, before we get into the review system, there's two things that we didn't mention that I want to mention very, very quick. Well, I guess just more one thing. Um, we never mentioned the book. In the entire oh, podcast, yeah, uh, which I f- usually there's I don't like. Did you say which book? Well, I said there's a book. Oh, there's <laughs> a like, book. It's like the book. I was feigning ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Or> comic effect. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel we have to mention at least once that it was fucking awesome. Yeah, like, and the, it, the amount of work they put into both the the original and then the the threatening version was awesome. And I also love that no one sees the book but her and her son. Yeah. Which really feeds into the, is it real, is it not real? Yeah. I mean, you you talk about art design. I mean, somebody put a lot of time it's into a, creating that book. and it, It's and the it, guy who did so the opening scary. credits to United States of Terra made the book. Yeah, she was oh, watching that show and she liked it. Yeah. That's she, awesome. Yeah. I've never watched it, so I don't know. I've but seen the opening, opening credits. Is, the opening is great. It is really great. Yeah. I can see why they, it's apparently she hunted him down. That's awesome. It's in the special features, but yeah, he uh, the, do my book. The book that you see is a hundred percent hand painted. That's crazy. Yeah, so they Which put. You, a, you can tell on. You can definitely like, tell, and it looks amazing, especially on that fine HD. Yeah, yeah, that new HD. What is it? Four K Netflix streaming now. Yeah. Right. If your internet can take it, mine can't. So we watch the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, okay, well, that's really. I yeah, just, the, I felt the book is is I I think the scariest part of the movie like. If I when could she's buy a reading copy, that book, oh yeah, I've looked for yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I imagine they're very expensive. Yeah, I don't know if they sell them. 
That's why I'm sure people it. make them. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's. And if they haven't yet, they will on start. On Etsy. Yet. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would totally. <laughs> That'd be a great thing for Etsy to have. Yeah, I c I'd imagine it existing there. It's every listing. Yeah. Suddenly it takes over. <laughs> Can't get rid of it. It's infected uh. Etsy. <laughs> Uh, okay, so the review system for today, it's going to be a little bit little bit different than what we've done recently, because we've only been doing movies recently, uh, but it should still be in the same vein. Uh, today we're doing children's books. Mm. Uh, I can go first, get the ball rolling, if that helps. Um, I'm sure people might have to think about it for a little bit, which is fine. Uh, I'm going to go with Where the Wild Things Are. Um, they're both about a kid who is desperate for a father figure. Um, only as a single mom who really... I mean, she doesn't totally hate her kid in Where the Wild Things Are, but you can definitely tell she's super frustrated with her kid because he acts out and she really can't get a handle on him so much that she sends him to his room without dinner. And then the imagination runs wild with Where the Wild Things Are. And then if you're thinking about it, is the whole Where the Wild Things Are real? Is that, like, the real thing? Or was it just in his imagination that kind of, like, manifested himself into this whole, like, thing where all these other people are... They're there, and they're evil, and they're bad, but he also wants to be a part of them, so it's kind of like the Babadook, where he's evil and he's bad, but he's also got to be a part of their life. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and Where the Wild Things Are was my absolute favorite book as a child, and this is my favorite horror movie, at least recently. Okay. Uh, I will go with uh, the book series, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Nice! nice. <laughs> because those stories stuck with me. Yeah? Like... They legitly scared me. And then the f pictures, those hand-drawn pencil <coughs> pictures were terrifying. Books. They were, and like, they're so like, they hardest so many emotions. They changed the illustrations. Yeah, for I don't the blame them. I couldn't read books. those fucking things when I was a kid. Yeah, I hated those, those drawings. Those drawings were so... Yeah. <laughs> and they the, were pretty the, gory, the, I've looked yeah. at the new ones, the republished ones. The pictures are not... That's not scary at all anymore, really. Good. Yeah. Maybe kids will read them now. <laughs> but no, that's what made them so good. Yeah. Like, I keep wanting to actually buy the original ones, but they go for a lot of money now. I bet, yeah. Like, those illustrations just terrified you. Like, that's the same feeling that the Baba Duck book gives you. Like, you're looking yeah. at it and you feel like the illustrations can see you. Like, they're looking at you somehow and then you're like, uh. <laughs> that's good. That's a good one. Nice. That's solid. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go flip 180 here. I'll, I'll do uh, Dr. Seuss, The Cat in the Hat. Okay. <laughs> not just because... I was thinking of that. <laughs> not, not just because Baba Duke wears a hat, but... <laughs> no, it kind of... Uh, the idea idea of you know kid having this imaginary friend or mm -hmm. or having this you know entity that that is going to upset the parents and you know like we have to um you know live with this thing that only we can see and and if we do if we you know cause mischief it's gonna you know get our parents mad at us and blah blah, blah. and you can kind of see like that he starts this kind of imaginary thing with the babadook at the very beginning of the movie where he's he talks about it like oh it's and she doesn't have any clue that or like you know subconsciously she knows it exists but she in her mind it's just this imaginary thing that he yeah just lives with and deals with but then obviously she gets wrapped into it mm -hmm. too but yeah cat and hat plus the hat <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah oh yeah sad is similar yeah. shorter okay. shorter much shorter <laughs> uh the the book i picked is not, you know, plot-related, but it's got some elements that kind of add together similar in similar ways, or at least the ingredients are kind of similar. Uh, it's called Abiyoyo. It's, okay. a, it's about this uh, folk teller and his son 
who get ousted out of town because they're really annoying about their folk telling and singing and all that. Just kind of about the, these crazy stories they tell and just all that. And then one day, one of the stories actually comes true and terrorizes the town. And then all of a sudden, the uh, father and son have to actually go use their folk telling to get rid of it. The elements that are like it is just that it's a parent and their child kind of having to, like, they're, they have to kind of come together mm-hmm. to basically take on this maybe real, maybe not real monster. And it's all a very fairy tale esque in the way it's presented. Similar how, like, um, the Babadook stretches that line of being real or fairy tale mm-hmm. and kind of bounces in between that. And I think that it just has a very kind of, the book is actually drawn in a very kind of similar abstract style. Maybe not quite as creepy, maybe on the less on the creepy end, but very different, you know. Yeah, that works. Yeah. yeah, for sure. What was it called again? It's called Abby Yo-Yo. I never heard that. It's interesting because it's, um, I have to admit, I, I when I was young, I watched a lot of Reading Rainbow. Oh, yeah. And, Nailed it. And it had uh, Pete, Seeger, Pete Seeger, the folk singer, singing the book. Oh, interesting. And it was very, very interesting in how that was presented. So it's much more folksy and a lot more lighthearted than the Babadook. But there's right. a lot of interesting kind of pulling from the art style, the direction, and kind yeah. of those elements of parent and child. Oh, cool. All right, well, we're just going to move on to the end of this thing then. I'll, so usually I don't have much to say at the end of the episode, but this time, because we have new people on, I will allow for plugs if you guys have anything you need to plug. I know Hunter has been busy making everything. Oh, hell as yeah. I see you pop up on Facebook all the time. Uh, and Donica's always doing stuff with his movie Facebook. theater. And then uh, for myself, I'll mention first, uh, we just finished and premiered our short film, A Conversation with Luke. Uh, we are starting the festival circuit here shortly, uh, and as soon as we start actually having festivals, I'll start announcing them on this podcast, so if you are listening countrywide, hopefully there'll be a city near you that our film will actually be playing at. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, so I'll keep people posted, but that's it for us, I believe, unless we have something else. Nope, she doesn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying? I was saying plugs, but I don't think... Oh, I have a plug. What's that? Uh, my friend Houston Huddleston. Mm-hmm. Uh who's been doing the bridge restoration and getting the Hollywood Sci-Fi Museum going, is also doing a sister museum. Uh, it hasn't gotten as well known, because he only announced it like a few months ago, but uh, he's going to be doing the horror museum next to the science fiction museum. Uh, and it's on Instagram, it's on Twitter, and he's going to be needing donations and everything. I mean, because he's doing both museums crowdfunding essentially trying to get you know the fans to want these museums and get them to happen and he's gotten amazing response for the science fiction museum and i'm really hoping he gets the same for the horror museum so we can really get that going uh and you can look him up online Uh, he needs volunteers to help with some organization and just to spread the word on the internet um if you've looked into it at all he's very passionate he's working with really high class passionate people that are all in the industry and I'm really hoping these things come to life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's my plug. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Do you have anything, Hunter? Um, yeah, uh, I've got a movie called Two Jennifer that's coming out. Um, we're expecting to have a finished cut uh, mid or in a couple weeks, like three weeks. Okay. And then we're gonna be doing what you guys are doing, festivals and nice all that good stuff. Is it a feature or a short? A uh, feature. Nice. It's an iPhone feature, actually. Oh, okay. So it's a hard R rated. Uh, kind of found footage style horror movie that a lot of crazy stuff happens. Nice. Okay. It's, gonna be pretty, cool. it's pretty pretty gnarly. So check it out. Are you going to have screenings anywhere? Uh, hopefully. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything yet, but yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. 
Donica, do you have anything to plug? Well, nothing in particular. Uh, I work at the Hollywood Palms Movie Theater in Naperville, Illinois. So I suppose if you're looking for a place to watch a movie in Naperville, Illinois, come out to the Hollywood Palms Cinema. <laughs> nice. Well, you can plug your movie nights, because you're always organizing those. Yeah, well, we don't have anything really coming up anytime soon. Huh. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, John, do you have anything right now? Nothing right now. Just keep watching Flagon if you haven't watched it yet. Yeah, we did a soundtrack that's on sale. I mean, it's awesome, but no one seems to know. Like, Facebook is really bad about sharing, like, Yeah, spreading. unless you pay for that, you really have, you, yeah. it gets kind of... But, I mean, the soundtrack is just leaps and bounds amazing, and I wish more people would buy it so I could actually give that money directly to the, the sound guy. Yeah. Because rent is tough for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've so listened amazing. to it, and I've seen the show. I recommend both. I mean, if you like the chiptune video game soundtrack, you know, feeling like Final Fantasy or Mega Man style type music, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, next week we will be off. I apologize. I will be out of town. And then <sighs> the week after that we have uh, we have a battle episode coming up, which is our guilty pleasure battle of video game movies. That's movies that hmm, we know nice. are terrible, but we can defend them to the death anyways. Uh, they're uh, not terrible. They are. <laughs> I will never call it terrible. You don't even know if you're going to be able to pick yours. you got to say it first. You cannot claim it right now. Um, and the week after that, we have Bloodborne, the PS4 Insta-classic. Uh, then we have Birdman, then Kingsman, then a whole bunch of other ones coming up after that. And then I'm really excited. I'm not, I'll am not. i start teasing it now, but I'm not going to do like what I did for Terminator. But I'm really excited for our, our October, because I have a really good plan oh, yeah. for October. And I hope everyone sticks with it, because it's a little bit weird, but I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm really excited about it. Uh, but with that... Uh, thank you again to Hunter for coming back. Thanks. Um, Appreciate it. Donica for the first time coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh, and then you guys are always here. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm like married to you. Yeah, and you kind of have to be here. Yeah. No. Uh, okay, so bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>